And today, as we continue in our series on the Ten Commandments, we are concluding our examination of Exodus 20, verse 12. I'd like to ask you for one final time to read along with me this verse. It is printed near the bottom of the order of worship side of your bulletin. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Let us pray. Dear Father, as we come to your word, we ask that it might have the powerful effect in our hearts and our lives that you desire for it to accomplish. We know that your power is in your word and that your Holy Spirit will work through it to cleanse us and purify us and cause us to grow in righteousness. We ask that you would accomplish this work through your power, that you would make us willing as your people, that any among us that do not know you as their Savior would see through this one part of your word, your gospel, your glory, and put their faith and trust in you. Lord, I ask that my words might be faithful to your word, accurate and applicable, Because it is your word that we are studying, and it is your word alone that is holy. In Jesus' name, amen. I was interested to hear some time ago an interview with a top executive of a national company. During this interview, he shared a secret that he used in interviewing prospective employees. And the secret that he shared provided real insight and food for thought. He explained that when he interviewed a man, he he also explained what he did when he interviewed a woman, but he was his rules there were not quite as clear cut as when interviewing a man, and not quite as applicable to this setting here. In interviewing a man, he asked about the man's relationship with his father. If the prospect spoke of a good relationship with his father, he was encouraged to hire the man knowing from experience that if he got along well with his father, he would respond well to company structure, others in authority over him. But if he didn't get along well with his father, it was a sign he would not make a good employee. Now, of course, this is a generalization, but this is just what this man shared from his own personal experience. And from this experience and from this evidence, we see something that we have to be reminded about on a constant basis. Our relationships with our parents tell a great deal about us, including the extent to which God's blessing is going to be upon our lives. Like it or not, this is true. We must be concerned, according to this, the fifth commandment, with honoring our parents. How do we honor parents? What are acts of honor? The first thing that we need to be concerned about, children need to be concerned about, is honorable address. Because the way in which children address their parents, the way their countenance reflects towards their parents, reflects, is a main reflection of attitude. Children need to demonstrate respect towards their parents in every way. If we look at scripture, we see evidence of this in the life of Solomon. Not before he was king, but when he was king. 
In 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, we read that when Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, went to King Solomon to speak to him, the king stood up to meet her, he bowed down to her, he sat down on his throne. He had a throne bought for the king's mother, and she sat down at his right hand. I have one small request to make of you, she said. Do not refuse me. The king replied, make it my mother, I will not refuse you. If a king can honor his mother, king being the most important man in the land, then certainly we, as children, can honor our parents, having positions of much less honor than that of a king. Children demonstrate respect in many ways. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9 tells us this, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. How do children demonstrate respect to their parents? By showing attentiveness to their parents. By paying attention. By being eager and cheerful to please. When a parent says, would you please go and clean up your room? The demonstration of respect is a positive attitude, not a disgruntled attitude. Not a, oh, do I have to again? Everybody sees that as a disrespectful attitude. We are concerned with obeying God's commands. Again, with regard to attitude towards parents, coming immediately when parents call. Because you value them, what they have to say to you, what they might ask of you. Listening carefully. That's a continuing struggle for parents. So you do not have to say things ten times, but instead saying them once. Respectful children, pay attention, listen, and get the message. Learn from parental instruction. This is what the Proverbs passage told us. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. If your parents have something to tell you and it's important, then it doesn't just go in one year and out of the other. And it isn't just something that you can state again because you have a good memory. It should be something that you learn from. Because if they are important and worthy of respect, then children need to learn from their instruction. Children also need to speak with honor to their parents. Pay attention again. Do not contradict parents. Do not talk back to them. Do not mock them. Use honoring terms of address. This is not something that we grew up with, but it's something that's um, more frequent down here, perhaps in the South, and something that some of our friends occasionally did. I guess their parents had them do. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Sometimes (laughs) Sarah gets it mixed up. She says to me, Yes, (laughs) ma'am. No, 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 no. In our home it was, Yes, Dad. Using a term of address, a title. Not disrespectful sorts of things like my old man. We have to realize that while children are supposed to respect their parents, they are not to respect their parents at the expense of God's honor. When we are talking about authority, we are always talking about a structure. 
God is always at the top of the structure of authority. And so at the same time that I mentioned the example of King Solomon respecting his mother and honoring her by these outward signs of address, he stood up when she came into his presence. This is another good example as to what children should do with regard to their presence. Standing up is a sign of respect. It's something that I frequently realize that wasn't really emphasized in my family, so I try and get my wife to remind me that that's something I should do, to respect people, to stand up when they come in. He stood up. He bowed down. He sat down and had a chair brought for her, not just any old chair, but a throne. In other words, Mother, you are my equal. I value what you have to ask. I will do what you say. At the same time, we see an example of a king in King Asa in Second Chronicles fifteen sixteen, who was unable to respect his grandmother, who would be in the same position of a mother with regard to this command, because of the fact that respecting her would have shown great dishonor to the Lord. We read in Second Chronicles fifteen sixteen, King Asa also deposed his grandmother Maacah from her position as queen mother. Because she had made a repulsive Asherah pole, Asa cut the pole down, broke it up, and burned it in the Kidron Valley. This is not a point that I want to dwell on. But our respect for our parents needs to be there. And at the same time, we need to realize nobody comes before the Lord. We not only need to have a positive and respectful address regarding our parents, countenance, attitude, We also need to speak honorably of our parents to others. We need to praise them. We need to defend their honor. Now, the way it used to go in the past, I don't think, I can't remember the last time I've heard this expression recently, but the way it used to go in the past was, my daddy can beat up your daddy. (laughs) Now, this is a step in the right direction. It's a terrible step. I'm not holding it up as is something any child would want to say to another child because it's totally inappropriate. But it demonstrates the sense in the child's heart, my father is worthy of respect. That is an excellent thing. We need to speak honorably of our parents. We need to see, children need to see that they speak honorably of their parents to others. What else needs to be involved when we are talking about children's respect for parents? Obedience. Even as this, the the last hymn that we sang talked about, I think it was the second verse, when it talked about, you know, my love for you is demonstrated explicitly by my doing what you say. In Paul's Sunday school class this morning, do you remember the verse in your Sunday school class? What is it? What was it? Okay, excellent. John fourteen fifteen. Okay. <clears throat> that was the verse in, for the kids in Paul's Sunday School class this morning. That message is reiterated throughout Scripture. Obedience is a sign of respect. That is a chief way in which parents can see that their children respect them. One of the stories that Jesus told that has been sort of flipping throughout my head as I've been considering this is the story of the man, the parable of the man who called his sons and told them to go out and do some work. (coughs) One of them said, yes, Dad, I will do it. And he went out and did what he pleased. And the other son said, 
Dad, I'm not going to do it. And he went out, he thought better of it, and he did what his father had asked him to. Jesus' point in that parable was the obedient son, the one who honored his father, was the one who, even though he said no, went out and did it. So we see that Jesus' explanation here was that obedience is a sign of respect and honor. What happens when children obey their parents? When children obey their parents, they make parenting easy and enjoyable. Think about that, kids. (laughs) Think about that. Do you want your home to be a pleasant place? Everybody wants their... Who wants their home to be a pleasant place? Everyone. Everyone. Right. Okay. Children with regard to parents, there is an effect that you can have on your home being a pleasant place. It's spoken of in Scripture with regard to people in the context of a church setting, with regard to spiritual leaders. Make their work enjoyable for them by obeying and heeding what they tell you. Children, the same thing in the home. If you want your home to be a pleasant place, don't put strain and tension on it by disrespect and disobedience. Instead, obey. And your home will be more and more pleasant as obedience becomes more and more the practice. And respect. Again, we see throughout Scripture that obedience is owed after God to parents before anyone or anything else. Ephesians 6, 1 and Colossians 3.20 give us this example in the New Testament. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. <clears throat> we don't have any other example. I would challenge you to find another example in Scripture where children are commanded to obey, to obey anyone other than a parent. <clears throat> God has set up this economy so that parents have ultimate authority over their children. It doesn't mean that children do not have responsibility to others in authority. But that first and primary authority that God is recognizing is children to parents. <clears throat> what does this obedience involve? It involves doing it even when it goes against our grain. Doing it even when we say, I'd rather be doing something else. Doing it even when we say, I don't like that job anyway. Doing it when we say, but that's too difficult. What else does it involve? It involves returning to the, the way we address our parents' question. Quick, cheerful, and complete. When a child is told by a parent to do something, the child should do it quickly, cheerfully, and completely. That is when real obedience of a respectful nature is completed. Now, there are moral questions with regard to children's obedience to parents. I've already touched on that with regard to Asa and his grandmother. Is there a time to refuse obedience? Now, Ted, you mentioned that this morning. You mentioned the young man whose parents, various and sundry people, whose parents said, you cannot follow that faith. Because we will not allow it. There is a time to refuse obedience only when what parents require is explicitly against a higher authority, the Lord. Explicitly against what the Lord requires. Not, 
I believe the Lord is telling me to do this and you, my mother, are telling me to do something else. Not, I have a word from the Lord. And it says, don't make up your bed today. (laughs) In other words, explicit. Written down. Let's put it that way. That's explicit. Moral questions. When obedience is hard... Obedience frequently is difficult. And there are oftentimes moral questions. We need to find ourselves on the obedience end of the spectrum rather than on emphasizing the I have an obligation to a higher authority end of the spectrum unless these things are explicit. Now, we have a hard time as children as we grow up into young adulthood and adulthood. Because there are certain choices that we regard as personal. One of those choices is marriage. And here's the point at which I step off the cliff. Because our culture today says that children are the only one to be considered in questions of marriage. Today's epitome of a personal decision. We make it out that our culture is different than, for instance, biblical cultures where parents had the say-so regarding marriage. But biblically speaking, parents do and should have authority with regard to marriage and children. Now, we may argue, practically speaking, to help us understand how how this affects marriage today and how it would affect it if children gave their parents the authority that the Bible speaks of with regard to this. We may argue, practically, that a large number of marriages would therefore be prevented on these grounds. How many of you have had a marriage or know of a marriage that the parents were opposed to? Had or know of a marriage that the parents were opposed to? Raise your hand if you don't know of a marriage that the parents were opposed to. (laughs) Certainly, probably most, if not all of us, know of marriages. However, when this happens, you and I need to recognize that through prayer, God is able to change the hardest of hearts. If we, as young adults, are involved in a relationship like that, which the parents, either our parents or the person we love's parents, are opposed to, then what we need to do is to submit this to God, who is the higher authority over our parents, and to say, Lord, if this really is something that you have designed for me, then you are able, capable of changing even my parents' hearts. You changed Pharaoh's heart. What is my dad compared to him? (laughs) Very similar. (laughs) So we need to recognize that first, that God is able to change situations and change the attitudes of our parents. We need to second see that that there are a number of marriages today that would have been prevented if the parents' opposition had been considered. And some of those preventions would have been very beneficial. We need to recognize that. And third, we need to know that parents who love their children do not often or long forbid the desires of their children's hearts. While we are considering what honoring parents involves, 
we would do well to see that this is not one of the Ten Commandments for nothing. In other words, God did not give the Ten Commandments because He said, I know you're going to do these things anyway, but here, let's just write them down for the fun of it. Honoring parents does not come naturally. So we must look at the dangers of childhood which promote dishonor towards parents. What happens in the hearts of children? We are told a myriad of times throughout Scripture, quite frequently in Proverbs, what the hearts of children are caught up in. Children frequently think that they know better and are superior to their parents. Children frequently, many of us have been involved with this as children, frequently decide that their parents are not with it. And therefore, these children are ashamed of their parents. Now, what I'm speaking of here is not that time in the lives of children when they are getting more and more mature and they are ashamed to have their parents with them in certain situations because they feel that they ought to be able to handle these situations by themselves. I'm speaking of a shame regarding the persons of their parents. Frequently, another danger with regard to children is scorning the wisdom of their parents. Frequently, children say, you don't understand you're not my generation. You don't understand the choices and the realities of life today. You don't understand what I'm going through. <clears throat> and this is another example of dangers in childhood. A further one is explains to us why it is so easy for children to fall into these dangers. Because youth are impressionable. Evil intentionally targets youth. We see examples of this in the schools of our days. We see it is spoken of in Scripture, which is why Christ gave such a strong warning, saying, Woe to those who cause these little ones to sin. Children are so very impressionable. We also see that it is easy for children to fall into such dangers because they crave acceptance and they hate rejection. This is why peer pressure is so effective on children, because they want people to accept them. When you get to be a certain age as an adult, you realize that you can please all the people some of the time, some of the people all the time. Well, (laughs) what's the third part of that? (laughs) You get a hard skin. You just realize that you can't please everyone all the time. And so so you grow used to the fact that you are going to get rejected, perhaps on a daily basis, in certain situations by certain people, for doing certain things, whether or not the thing you did was right or wrong. Children do not yet understand this. They're in the process of growing to understand it. And so they often cannot discern whether the person who is trying to affect what they are doing is doing it for their real benefit or it is going to result in serious harm to them. Which is why Christ gave this strong warning against people who cause little children to sin. Youngsters see other kids are involved in doing whatever. And those who are doing it pressure these youngsters who are watching to get involved in it. Because everybody who's doing something wants everybody else to join in the fun, whether it's good or evil. 
They want other people to be like them. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 speaks of this when it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. In every situation we are in, in every situation children are in, there are people who are counseling wickedness, there are people who are standing in the way as sinners, and there are people who are sitting and mocking everything that is good and upright. For children, trying to sort out the differences in these things makes, it, makes, makes them especially receptive to fall into situations of dishonoring parents. <clears throat> what is involved in honoring parents when we, the children, are adults? One of the things that is involved is being friends. Now, oftentimes we say it's not possible, that doesn't work, my, because of my parents or whatever. We need to work on these things if we truly honor and respect our parents. We need to continue to go back to them with love and where it is needed forgiveness, where it is needed repentance, in order to make these relationships work. Because being friends with parents is one of the great joys of both grown children and their parents. Uh, my father died in 1986, at which point I was 26 years old. My father was a wonderful friend of mine. He used to, during the, let's see, I was the last time I was at home for any extended period of time was in 1983, just graduated from college, and I had an internship at the company where he worked. And he loved having me drive him to work every morning. I was his chauffeur. He'd sit there in the passenger seat and he'd tilt his seat back and we'd talk for a 15-minute drive to and from work every day. And I'd get to visit him during the day. And there are a few things that are better than a friendship between a father and son or mother and father, or daughter and father or, you know, any of those four relationships that are possible there. That is something that is a joy and something that we should seek out as adult children. We need as adult children of our parents to refuse to regard our parents in utilitarian ways. What does it mean, utilitarian? It means we are looking at them for what we can get out of it. We need to refuse to look at our parents to see what we can get out of that relationship. We need to refuse to see our parents as an excuse for our failings. Many blame anything and everything they do not like about their own lives and who they are upon the failings of their parents. Oh, I look back and I see my parents did thus and such, and if they had only done thus and such, then I'd be so much better off today. That is disrespect. There's been a trend towards psychologists and counselors helping people probe their childhood in order to find more and more problems from the past, whether real or fictional, on which to blame their present. That's always what happens, you see. When you find these problems in the past, it's not to find the problems in the past. Oh, I found something out. No, it's to say, that explains it. That explains it. <clears throat> Parents are the scapegoats in these situations. We need to refuse to regard them in utilitarian ways by looking at them as a constant bailout for our problems. Some children never leave their parents and become independent and relieve their parents of the full responsibility for them. Marriage is an example, for instance. In Scripture, we are told 
leave father and mother, cleave to your wife and become one flesh. Not leave, cleave, and keep your ties to your parents. We need to refuse to regard our parents as a bailout. We need to refuse, in respect for our parents, to regard them as a dirty means of success and popularity. Now, what do I mean by that? You see it constantly in print. Tell all stories. What it was like to live in my home when I grew up. Now, how many of these stories are honorable and respectful towards parents? Very, very small percentage of them. You think of an example of this today as Bart Simpson, the Bart Simpson program on TV. Jokes at the expense of parents. The biblical example of this on both sides, a man who regarded his parents as a means for joking, Success and popularity, and in contrast, brothers who refused to, was the example of the time when Noah got drunk and he was lying in his tent naked. Ham came in, saw him, went out, told his brothers, hey, you wouldn't believe what's going on. His brothers went in backwards, backwards, with a sheet, with a blanket, and covered their father. And as a result, Noah cursed Ham, who was the father, incidentally, of the Canaanites, and blessed Shem and Japheth. And God honored that blessing because that is part of God's principle. Children must respect their parents. We need to refuse to regard our parents as a meal ticket. Through, for instance, wanting our inheritance early. Or otherwise, depending upon our parents for financial necessities when it should not be necessary. Now, there are some times when, as adult children, we need to rely upon our parents. They can come to our aid. Just as we would have friends come to our aid. But this should not be a continuing situation lest it is necessary. <clears throat> now, this is a serious matter. We should not regard our parents as a meal ticket, a quick means of getting our inheritance. It's a serious matter because our world is euthanasia crazy. If we look at the example of Denmark, we see that children are able to consign their parents to death. What would you have to gain from consigning your parents to death? Well, Purely utilitarian means, means if they're gone, whatever they've got becomes mine more quickly than it would. We need to be extremely cautious of this. How else do we as adult parents respect our, as adult children respect our parents? We do it by giving our parents credit and by praising them. We need to praise them. We need to thank them for their sacrifices. We need to praise and thank them for who they have been in our lives. We need to make the most of what they are in our lives now. We need to do... In thinking of this, I was reminded of the pilot who was shot down in Bosnia. When he came out, what he said was typical of what a lot of people in similar circumstances have said. In the midst of praise for being relieved of a difficult circumstance, thanks for parents comes up. We need to be people who give credit to our parents. <clears throat> Proverbs 31.10 says this, A wife of noble character who can find, skipping to verse 28, Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Verse 31, Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. We must do this. Further, as children who were adults, 
We need to provide for parents as they have provided for us. Now, you say, you said, even as they have provided for us. Well, maybe they didn't provide for me. Ah, that does not relieve us of the obligation of providing for them. We need to seek their meet, to meet their needs, whatever their needs are. We need to be willing to and actually sacrifice for them. Even if it disrupts our lifestyle, our way of life, our financial means, any of these things, this is what respect involves. An example of this is found in the story of Naomi and Ruth. <coughs> Naomi was a mother-in-law, but Ruth saw that she was a woman in great pain and great need. And as a result of her trusting in Naomi's God, she cast her lot with Naomi. She worked for Naomi. She provided food for them. She was the emotional support for her mother-in-law. In all of these ways, she provided for her mother-in-law. And we see that others recognize this. Naomi asked Boaz when she first met him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And he said, and this is where respect comes in, and other people see it. It's obvious. He said, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Doesn't that make it simple? I can see that you are a woman who respects your mother-in-law, and I find that worthy. And finally, we come to the end of this verse, which is the fact that there are rewards involved in honoring parents. There is, the passage doesn't explicitly speak of this, but we know it. There is the joy of having pleased the Lord, of knowing that God is pleased because he has been honored by our obedience to him, demonstrated in our obedience and respect for our parents. There is the joy of, and it doesn't always happen this way, there is the joy of having appreciative parents. That is a delight. And finally, our passage says explicitly, God will bless those who honor their parents by giving them longevity. Long life in the land that I have given you. So when you consider this subject, realize, as children, you are not free from the obligation. Now, oftentimes we may say, well, my parents have died. We still honor them because we honor their memory. There are many ways in which we can honor their memory. We need to recognize that as long as we are children, which we all are all of our lives, honoring our parents is something that needs to absorb our attention. Let's pray. Dear Father, teach us whether we are young children or old children to honor our parents to reap the many bountiful blessings that you promised to those who are obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.